0: The reading this evening is Mark chapter 13. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and will deceive many, When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. You must be on your guard you will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time. For it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you see the abomination that causes desolation, standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetop go down or enter the house to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray. Pray. this will not take place in winter, because those will be days of distress, unequaled from the beginning, when God created the world, until now, and never will be equaled again. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, look here is the Messiah, or, look, here he is. Do not believe it, for false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So be on your guard. I have told you everything in advance.
1: But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the cock crows or at dawn. If he suddenly comes, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone watch. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: Well, can we pray as we seek to hear what Jesus is saying to us through these words? Let's pray. So, Father, we we turn to you, and we thank you that you gave this message of truth through Jesus to his first disciples, and that it had great relevance for them and their generation. And thank you that you've entrusted these words into Holy Scripture by a work of your Spirit, such that they have relevance for every generation of disciples since that first one, and speaks to us even now. We pray by your Spirit that, Lord, we just ask you to speak to every one of us here. We, we need your help. I need your help. So please, open your word for us. We, we turn to you. We trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, one of the fondest memories I have of being a young boy growing up in uh, in Canada was the chance to skate on bodies of water that had become frozen in the winter. Uh, Sometimes it was a river. Sometimes it was a lake, sometimes it was a pond. One time it was even my back garden, which my dad had flooded with a garden hose so that we could skate uh, in the back garden. And the neighbors, of course, weren't too impressed with the hockey pucks hitting the, the fence, uh, but loved those memories. And one in particular stands out when our, my grandfather, who was in Manitoba, at the heart of uh, Canada took us on some skidoos, uh, some snowmobiles, down to a pond which had become frozen. We brought our skates. We went out on the ice uh, together, having a great time. He got a fire going off to the side. And at one point, while he was out somewhere off on the ice, maybe clearing it further away, the snow away, unbeknownst to us, he crashed through the ice and into the chilly water. And unbeknownst to us, he somehow got himself out Uh, Rode his skidoo back to his farm, got changed and come back, and we were none the wiser. But here was a situation where he felt everything was firm and secure, and he was very used to doing this, and wouldn't dream that anything would happen, and all of a sudden everything gave way, and he crashed through and felt the chill of that water surround him, feared likely that it would swallow him up. Thankfully that it didn't. Here as we turn to Mark chapter 13, uh, Jesus' disciples are just leaving the temple with him. And one of them points to this magnificent uh, building, uh, Herod's, uh, Herod the Great's temple that had been built in Jerusalem. And one of the disciples draws attention to the, to the magnificent stones, some of which were 30 feet long or longer. So much wealth and work had been piled into the construction of this temple that it was now two times the size of the great temple of Solomon. So much gold continued to pour in that they made a a, a golden vine on the wall of of the temple and it just kept on growing through the years as more uh, wealth was added. I wonder if anything could have felt more stable, more sure, more unshakable in the lives of a Jew who lived at Jesus' time than that temple. Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Jesus uh, speaks about AD 30, around there. And at that time, he says this. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. Now just pause for a moment and think how sweeping a statement that is. I mean, imagine if I was walking uh, up Abandon Road with you past the Christ Church Cathedral and you were to comment on Tom Tower and I were to say, not one of the stones here that you see built up will stay on top of each other. It will all be cast down. You'd be wondering, has Andy lost his marbles? I'm sure in that case I, I surely would have. But Jesus says this to his disciples to prepare them for what he knew was coming. Again, he says these words around 80, 30 or so, or maybe just a couple of years later. And one within a generation, within the next 40 years, this prophecy was fulfilled. Now, just stop for a moment and think about that. Other great prophets had said that uh, there'd be judgment upon certain priests within the temple and things like that. But no one had said something quite swe- as sweeping as what Jesus says here, that the great temple of Herod the Great, would be raised to the ground. And then it was fulfilled just 40 years later when Romans stormed Jerusalem and did indeed bring that temple to the ground. And Jesus, in this passage, is doing two things. He's preparing the first disciples for that uh, destruction of the temple in AD 70. But he's also preparing uh, all Christians who would come after that and live in the time between the destruction of that temple and Jesus' second coming. And so you can find yourself at different points in this passage. Is it referring to the destruction of the temple, which is initially mentioned at the beginning, or is it referring to Jesus' second coming, which is mentioned at the end? And the answer, it seems, is most often yes uh, to both those things. And it has kind of a dual reference with the initial destruction of the temple serving as a little sign for what will happen at the end of time when Jesus uh, comes again? Drawing attention to this and sharing that story of my grandfather, because it, it feels a lot of the time that the world is just skating along on the ice and everything feels firm and everything always has been stable and is stable now and sure it always will be Stable. But Jesus is saying, watch out, be alert. Can you hear the creaking of the ice? And at some point, the world's going to drop through into the cold of the Lord's judgment as Jesus Christ, the King, returns again. So his message is, watch out, stay alert. And that message unfolds itself in three different ways. First, watch out that no one deceives you. Watch out that no one deceives you. There will be false messiahs and false teachers. Look at verses 5 through 6. Jesus said to them, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and will deceive many. And then look at verse 21. At that time, if anyone says, look, here is the Messiah, oh, look, here he is, do not believe it for false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So be on your guard. I've told you everything in advance. Be alert. Be on your guard that no one deceives you. It was a message very relevant to these first disciples. And even after Jesus died, and was buried, and rose back from the grave, and ascended into heaven. Even in that first generation of disciples, there were people who later came on the scene and said, I'm the Messiah. And it seems that in every age of the church, there are people who lift themselves up, not lifted up by God, but lift themselves up and draw attention to themselves as if they are the Messiah, as if they are the Christ. And Jesus says, watch out that no one deceives you. I warned you about this in advance. If anyone says, look, here's the Messiah. Come, come and see him. I heard he's over in this place. Jesus says, that's not how I'm going to come again. He mentions that when he does come, verse 26, he's going to come in the clouds with great power and glory. It will be unmistakable around the globe. And he will send his angels to gather the elect from the four winds. His people won't be able to miss it. And from the ends of the earth to the ends of Of the heavens. So we need to be vigilant on our guard that no one deceives us. And if you think that you're not vulnerable to ever being deceived by a slick teacher who waves the Bible around and uses the word of Jesus or religious language a lot, Jesus is here cautioning, wait a second, each of us, no matter how schooled we are in scripture or how experienced we might feel as a Christian. Each of us can be vulnerable to a flashy teacher rising up, especially if they demonstrate some kind of spiritual powers, uh, like Jesus says is possible here. And we all could be wooed by that. So we need to be testing whatever is set up here in this church, whatever we hear online, uh, whatever whatever we hear in some other church that we might be a part of later on in our life. We always need to be testing it against what Holy Scripture says, we always need to be um, testing it against the historic creeds of the Church, which confess that God is one, that He exists in three persons—Father, Son, and Holy Spirit—that Jesus is fully human and fully God, and we need to have great caution if we ever hear anything that goes against any of that. But sometimes it's not someone who raises themselves up so concretely as a false messiah, we know this is true. Um, My mom, bless her, I I love my mom so much. Uh, She, sadly, has has a bit of a disability and I remember one time she was living on her own and in 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 an apartment by herself and she would often be watching TV and I remember visiting her one time and uh, I see this great big golden eagle on the glass countertop. This great big golden eagle in flight. And what's on the eagle's back but Jesus, this model of Jesus. I don't, I don't know where in the Bible it ever teaches talks about Jesus riding on the back of an eagle. But there is this statue of you know, Jesus riding on the back of the eagle. Mom, well, you know, where did this come from? Where did this come from? And I, sadly, she had been watching some slick preacher on TV who's, who said, Ah, you buy, you buy, you know, send me a few hundred and you'll get this eagle with Jesus sitting on the back of it and just watch the blessing that will fly into your life, I guess was the story. Oh, doesn't it just make you angry how people do this? And so we need to be aware that this happens. Not everyone who waves the Bible around and uses the name of Jesus is from Jesus. And Jesus prepared us to know this. And so we need to equip one another to expect it. Watch out that no one deceives you. Secondly, be on your guard, as there will be persecution. Watch out. Be on your guard, Jesus says, because there will be persecution. Look at verse 9. Persecution from local authorities, government authorities. You must be on your guard. You'll be handed over to the local councils. Notice also religious authorities. And flogged in the synagogues on account of me. And you'll stand before governors as kings, and kings as witnesses to them. So persecution from authorities, both quote-unquote secular and religious. Persecution is expected from within one's own family. And sadly, some of you I know have experienced this. Verse 12, brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Persecution from within the family. Persecution from everyone in society at different points in church history. Verse 13, everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So be on your guard. There will be persecution. There will be times in each of our lives as Christians where we feel pressure to let go of our allegiance to Jesus and We're called by Christ to stand firm in that scenario. It's easier said than done. And so some encouragement is brought to help us. Verse 11. Whenever you're arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time. For it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. So wonderfully, Jesus promises that when we face these times of external pressure of course a true christian always has the holy spirit christ the holy spirit indwells each true christian but when there's a situation of persecution and external pressure it's as if the holy spirit draws especially near and makes his presence especially felt and is willing to give special help for that circumstance and here that help comes in the form of being given words as to what to say uh, so you might be fearful. Uh, what, what, what do I say when someone in my workplace, what if they were to really come down hard on me? What, what would I say in that instance? Uh, what would I say if one of my family members really threatened to uh, you know, create division in the family because of my faith in Christ? What would I say? Of course, it's natural to be thinking about that and wrestling with it in our own minds. Of course, that's right. But Jesus is saying here there's more help on offer and the comfort of the Holy Spirit is there to give words. That's an encouragement. The other encouragement is that there's a promise that amid this persecution that the gospel will be preached to all nations. Verse 10. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Right in the midst. Sandwich in there. Talk about persecution. Right in the midst of it is this promise that the gospel will continue to spread throughout the world. And often in church history, we've found it to be the case that when the church is under special persecution and focused pressure, that it can be at just that time that the gospel finds a new underground growth and spills out under the, under the edges of the hammer, so to speak, and impacts more and more and can't be held down. What a great encouragement. So stand your ground, be on your guard, there will be persecution And then third and finally, keep watch, be alert, and be aware of spiritual slumber. Keep watch, be alert, and be aware of spiritual slumber. From the perspective of the disciples that Jesus is first teaching, the destruction of the temple is, of course, in the future. And when Mark records the teaching... The destruction of the temples, maybe four or five years away, 10 years away at most. And so this teaching prepared them to get ready for that. And hence the talk about uh, when you see the abomination that causes desolation, know that this is about to happen and flee to the mountains and, oh, whoa, how sad for those who are nursing mothers and pray it doesn't happen in winter and so on. Because that was actually needed at that time. And the abomination that causes desolation, what is that? Well, that was, uh, that's a reference to some of Daniel's teaching uh, about kind of a sacrilegious thing being sent up, in the, an unclean thing being set up in the most holy of places. And in one sense, this was fulfilled when the temple was initially destroyed in A.D. 70. Um, just a few years before that, some religious revolutionaries, some zealots, uh, slaughtered some priests in the temple around AD 66 and some see that as a as kind of one of the fulfillments of this abomination that causes desolation and then the desolation being uh, when the Romans came in and and swamped Jerusalem and raised the temple to the ground not quite every stone was was overturned from the one underneath but pretty much I mean the destruction was incredibly drastic and about one million people or so died when this happened And Roman standards were planted on the rubble of the temple. And, of course, the Roman standard has a sign that worships the emperor. And so some see that as the abomination that causes desolation. But in any case, Jesus uses that instance not only to prepare those first Christians for what was to come for them, but to now prepare us and to wake us up as we seek to follow Jesus in our age. Jesus says in verse 30 truly I tell you this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened and for the first Christians that was fulfilled in one sense that generation didn't pass away before lo and behold the temple was destroyed but in another sense the generation of current believers in the sense that we live in this current age this generation between that happening to the temple and Jesus coming again, we need to be warned to stay alert and resist spiritual slumber, just as those first Christians needed to be warned as the the destruction of the temple was approaching. Now that that's happened, there is nothing else, no other major event in Jesus' diary other than him coming again. And we don't know the date or the time. Jesus himself confessed as he walked there with his disciples that he didn't know. The angels didn't know. Only God the Father knows the date as to when it will happen. But he, he wants to grab us by the collar of the shirt and say, wake up. Be spiritually alert. Do you hear the creaking of the ice? I, I, I could come at any time. Resist spiritual Slumber. Some of you I know have been uh, students, as I've uh, been a student for a short time in, in the past. And uh, as, as a student, you know that you have the, the due dates, right? Those, those blessed things. And, and the due dates, you know, oh, the due date, oh it's, th- it's, oh, it's three months off. I've got lots of time. I'm going to go watch some Netflix. No big deal. Ah, oh, the due dates, oh, now it's two months away. Yeah. Oh, plenty of time. Oh, the due date's one month away. Maybe I should get the books from the library. Oh, the due date's three weeks away. Uh, I see some other people are studying. Um, uh, Well, I'm sure I'll be able to to handle it. No big deal. Oh, my goodness, the due date is next week. Oh, my goodness, the due date is tomorrow. And I'm going to stay up all night and work through the. I mean, I've never done this myself personally. Oh, how the, the number of all-nighters, Lord help. But there's a danger of taking that approach to our Christian life. Ah, it's, it's a long ways away. I've got lots of time. I think it's especially a temptation when we're in, our, in the earlier stages of our lives, you know, in our 20s and 30s, and I st- I'm in mid, approaching mid-40s, I think still subject to this temptation of thinking that I have all the time in the world to really serve Christ with the whole of my life. And Jesus says, watch out, beware of spiritual slumber. And tells the story of a person who's entrusted with this building to care for, be a steward of it. And then Jesus' second coming, being like someone arriving back at the property, and we don't know what time of the day, which, which watch of the day he'll come back. And so we need to always be on watch and be vigilant in light of his coming we're meant to treat the time that we have as a stewardship as a trust to use for him i mean honestly how many of us us here feel in our heart of our hearts that our days are ours that i have these next few years of life or decades or however you you think of it that they're mine and I'm going to use them for the ends that I think is right. And instead, Jesus turns this all around and says, "No. If you're mine, your hours, your days belong to me. Jesus, the King. And when I return, you're going to want to have used them in that light, as if they belong to Jesus, and asking how they could be given to Jesus and how they could serve, the serve Jesus." I don't know if you know how long it takes to drive across Canada. Yeah, just a fun fact, it takes between two and a half and three weeks if you were to drive full-time, uh, almost as a job, from one coast to the next. And often when I was growing up, we would do these trips from the West Coast, somewhere into the centre of Canada where my grandparents lived, which would involve driving through multiple provinces in multiple days. And I remember as a young boy vividly sitting in the back seat And uh, looking as we drove late into the day and night, watching my dad uh, drive and seeing his eyes through the rearview mirror. Have you ever sat in the back seat and made eye contact with the driver? And looking at my my dad. And of course, there's those parts in the drive where everyone's raucous and the kids are fighting and the music's playing and so on. But then those parts of the drive where everything would get quiet for one hour, two, three, four. Kids would fall asleep. Mom would fall asleep. And I look in the rearview mirror and I'd be watching my dad's eyes and seeing the lights of the other cars come back in the night. And as they flashed on his face, seeing in the rearview mirror, this. <laughs> you know? And you, you reach at it, Dad, Dad, Dad. Or if mom realizes it because there's been a big sway of the car and then back on the road, and then the elbow flies across at dad to wake him up. And in a way, this passage is doing just that to each of us here. We're all tempted to nod off and think, ah, I've got all the time in the world to fulfill that spiritual commitment that's been on my heart for a long time. To confess that sin that I feel I have to talk with someone about and get some help with. To reconcile that relationship that I know Jesus has wanted me to reconcile. To take the next step in that ministry that I feel he's been calling me to or that part of the world that he's laid on my heart so clearly, and just thinking, ah, I've got time. Watch out. Beware of deception. Watch out. Be on your guard. There will be persecution, but perhaps most of all, watch out. Beware of spiritual slumber. The king is coming again. And so if you're, if you're here this evening and you wouldn't yet call yourself a Christian, wonderful that you're looking in on Jesus. Don't feel like you have all the time in the world. It's wonderful to explore. It's right to ask questions. But there is an urgency. We're out on the ice. And, and he's, he's, he is going to come. And if, you, if you're here and you do consider yourself a Christian, why would you wait any longer to respond to him and what he's asking you to do at this point in your walk with him? Why would you defer it? He's the Lord. What he asks of us is good. What he asks of us comes from a place of, of love and our flourishing. And so would you tonight, as, as we sing our final song, respond to Jesus and say, yes, Jesus, okay. I know what you're calling me to. I know that I can fall prey to spiritual slumber. And you're calling me to wake up. Okay, Jesus, I will. i open my eyes. Let's pray, and then Nancy Page will introduce our final song. Jesus, thank you for the clear teaching of Holy Scripture. Thank you for the assurance that though heaven and, and earth will pass away, that your word never does pass away. And thank you that this promise of your return is sure, and thank you for your assurance that the elect, your, your people whom you set your favor and love upon, will be, will be rescued and will be saved because of your grace and your work, and we trust you in that. Forgive us for the ways that we have fallen asleep at the wheel in our, in our uh, road with you, Lord. And please, would you help each and every one of us to respond as you would have us tonight, and as we've heard your word speak. We ask this in Jesus' name.